Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hold the Line. My name's Joe, and I'm a British force-free gun dog trainer. You can check out my online courses at forcefreegundog.com. The newest course is called Training the T Drill. You can also pick up a copy of my book called Force Free Gun Dog Training: The Fundamentals for Success, which is available on Amazon's everywhere around the world. There's also an accompanying workbook to record your training sessions in. I'm currently working on a sequel to Force Free Gun Dog Training. And I hope it's going to be out maybe in about six months. We'll see. That's all for now. Let's get on with the show. Train your gun dog without force or fear. Motivate and educate. Hold the line is here. Invention, repetition, generalization, motivation. Hold the line. Oh, yeah. Hello, I am Joe Laurent, and welcome to Hold the Line, the podcast for force free gun dog training. Hold the Line is committed to helping you train your dog to an advanced level using motivational methods and without the use of fear or pain. Thank you for tuning in and please make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Hold the Line! Hello everyone and welcome back to Hold the Line. So this week I was going to talk a bit about blind retrieves. So I know I talked in a sort of introductory way about blind retrieves, uh, I think a couple of podcast episodes ago. So you might want to listen back to that if you haven't heard that episode, first of all, because it's kind of a bit of a setting the scene sort of episode for the one we're going to have today. Um, So blind retrieves, blind retrieves are, just to recap, retrieves where we the dog doesn't know where the dummy is now that is where the word blind comes from it's blind um, for the dog so the qualities which the dog sort of needs to have to be able to run a successful good blind retrieve are in my opinion confidence and run which are sort of almost the same thing really so the dog has to be able to keep going and keep going and keep going it's not much use if your dog kind of runs out a little way um, loses confidence isn't quite sure where they're supposed to be going stops and either sniffs the ground and poodles around or um, looks back at you and almost says with their eyes help I'm stuck what should I do Um, in US retriever training or North American retriever training when they do that, they stop and they look back at you and are not sure what to do. We call that popping. So the dog's popped if they stop by themselves and look back at you for help. So you don't want the dog to do that. You want the dog to keep going, keep going until you give them a cue to stop. Um, so confidence and run. Also the ability to run in a generally straight line. Now, you know, it's really kind of impossible to run an absolute straight line, but as straight a line as possible and a generally straight line not running about all over the place so we discussed this in the previous podcast episode and that is a type of blind retrieve where we do want the dog to run about all over the place and some people with some breeds of of dog or subgroups um, of gun dogs might not want to teach their dogs to run in a straight line and to handle and to you know to take a, a a line from the handler they just might want the dog to run out and hunt up stuff everywhere so again listen back to the previous podcast episode for some background information to determine if you actually want to train your dog to run blind retrieves taking a line from you 
or if you just want to teach them to just hunt up an area and to have the confidence to keep hunting and keep hunting and keep hunting, running about all over the place until eventually using their nose, they find it. So um, I'm going to focus in this podcast episode on teaching the dog to run in a straight line and take a line from you, as is most commonly done in retriever training, but is also expected on a smaller scale for Spaniels, in the UK at least, and for HPRs as well. So I think things about blind retrieves are that different dogs bring different things to the table with both, um, well, in terms of what, what their natural abilities. So it is true. I've trained HPRs and, and I've experienced training retrievers. And I can definitely say that retrievers more naturally will run in a generally straight line. And my dogs at least have a lot of run. So I haven't had a problem. I did have problems training my HPRs in terms of the confidence to keep going and in terms of the straight line components of this. So the thing to point out, and I think it's important to say, because if you're starting out, you might not appreciate this or realize this, that because dogs have been bred to do their specific um, tasks for generations and generations, they're going to be better at those specific tasks. So a retriever is going to be better, generally speaking, at having what what's needed to run in a straight line and um, not run about all over the place. Whereas Spaniels and HPRs, because they're also, well, mainly bred to hunt before the shot and to find the game, which does involve quartering and using their nose and taking the initiative and not maintaining a line from you, that that's it's harder for them, in my opinion, to run in a straight line and to keep going, keep going. Um, so different subgroups will bring different things to the table when you're attempting to train your dog to run in a straight line from your side. So the other thing I'd say is that I'm, I particularly like this sort of area of gun dog training, the area which is giving the dog a line from your side and also the sort of stopping the dog at a distance, casting them left or right or back and handling them. So I think when I first saw all of this and was introduced to all of this, this sort of area of training made a big impact on me. And I thought, wow, it's like it's the epitome of control, isn't it? To be able to almost send, you know, move a dog around like they're a piece on a chessboard. It's like the epitome of control. And it really impressed me. And I think for that reason, it was something that I wanted to be able to do. And so I particularly focused on learning about it and um, trying to understand how to train it. So, um, yeah, for that reason, that's something that I'm I'm really interested in. I also think there comes a time when on the retriever side of things where, you know, lots, loads of people, bazillions of people have successfully trained their dogs to go out, pick up a thing and bring it back into liver to hand. You know, that is like you get to a certain point in training where that's just a given. That's just taken for granted that your dog can do that. It's not impressive or anything. That's just, you know, that's that's like, well, um, we just assume that you can do that kind of thing. Um, And so it gets to this sort of stuff, which is separating the wheat from the chaff, as it were. So it's really determining um, which dogs have have it, as it were. So um, that's also why I think it's really important to train too, because it's 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 what's going to set your dog aside and put your dog above other dogs. If your if your dog has the ability to be able to handle in these ways, so um, let's go on with it. So 
Um, if you do have a HBR or Spaniel breed and you have let your dog do a, quite a bit of hunting before you've come to try to train the straight lines, then you may find this difficult because your dog kind of is programmed to use their nose, use their own initiative, run about all over the place and find the dummy that way or find the game that way if it's before the shot and that's their understanding of what they're supposed to be doing out there away from you so it's going to be harder when you then start to introduce this new criteria of I want you to run out on a straight line so I kind of think it's it's good to do this quite early on the basic um, holding a straight line kind of concept in a baby way with um, young dogs before they get lots of experience of using their initiative and their nose and hunting and everything else. Um, so, where should we start? I think that the best way to train or think of training blind retrieves is to think of it as a problem that you sort of attack from lots of different directions because there are lots of different um, approaches to training blind retrieves and lots of actually lots of different types of blind retrieve and I'm quite influenced in all of this by North American retriever training because that's kind of where my exploration of how to train these kind of things um, comes from. I found that, that there's a really rigorous training system that the dogs are put through. Unfortunately, it involves lots of force and punishment-based training methods, but it, we don't have to use those parts of it. We can use the... Think about it as concepts. So we're teaching the dog concepts, and we don't have to teach those concepts using punishment and force. We can look at the concepts which are being taught to the dog in those systems and we can try and find alternative force-free methods of teaching the same concepts to the dog but in you know without the use of force so um again in the previous podcast episode we talked about memory train memory retrieves and i think those are really important foundational step for training blind retrieves so i'm not going to go back into memory retrieves now but it's important to make sure that you've got your memory retrieves working at quite you know a decent distance so and i will actually let's let's go into memory retrieves a little bit so memory retrieves i think they they help the dog because the dog knows there's something out there you're getting that run and the dog is running and running and running and you can build some distance and so that's building confidence for the dog to keep running because they know where the thing is you're always doing your memories in straight lines so you're kind of helping to just support that habit from the beginning of running in a straight line and the dog will naturally run in a straight line because they know where the dummy is because they saw you throw it. Um, you're going to walk away and then you're going to send them to it. So they're not going to like run in a weird hunting all over the place way because they know exactly where it is and they're the shortest route to it. If you've done your click of retrieve well and if they want the dummy, then they're going to go and get it. So there is also a little bit to say about lining before we get on to how to train blind. So lining is... When you put your arm down and you line your dog up to the dummy on the ground or where you believe the dummy on the ground is. So there are, think about in the UK, it's, it's conventional to line dogs up using your right arm. So the dog's on your left side conventionally in the UK and the vast majority of handlers use their right arm to indicate to the dog where the dummy is. And I've seen some, it's very interesting watching how people do this because some people will just they don't even they just they're just standing up they don't bend down at all they're just standing up and they put their hand sort of out as if you know in the same way that you might 
you know, like a, a lady in the 1800s might offer their hand to a gentleman to kiss the top of their hand. They sort of put their hand out in front of the dog, so almost with the palm facing the ground, and they sort of wave their hand in the air a little bit, like they're sort of saying shoo-shoo to someone, and that's how they send the dog. So the dog's not... Meanwhile, the dog, if you look at the dog's eyes, the dog's not looking at the hand. The dog's looking, you know, miles away, wherever the dog believes that the retrieve is. So they're, they're, the dog's just going where they already believe the retrieve is. And if the handler didn't put their arm out, they'd probably still be running in the same place. So the arm isn't really giving the dog a line. So the thing to say about giving the dog the line is... Well, there's lots of things to say about that, actually. So I believe the best arm to use when you're lining the dog up is actually your left arm, which is the arm closest to the dog. And I go into this in my book in quite a bit of detail, the whole lining subject with some photos to demonstrate what I'm trying to say. So if you don't have my book, by the way, um, it's called Force Free Gun Dog Training and you can get it on Amazon in the UK. It's probably the best place to get it. If you're in the US, actually dog-wise, I think is the best place to get it because I've just noticed that Amazon in the US has, for some reason, put a $13 shipping charge on it, which I think dog-wise doesn't have any shipping charge. So I suggest get it from dog-wise. Anyway, um, yeah, so lining and which hand to use. So if you are lining your dog up with your left arm, it's close to the dog, it's, it's close to the dog's eyes, it's close to the dog's line of sight, so you can give them a more accurate line in that way. If you're using your right arm, <clears throat> there's sort of a triangle that's made between your sh- your your fingertip, the dog's eyes, and your shoulder where your arm starts. So there's kind of a triangle there. Whereas if you're using your left arm, there's no triangle. There's just a straight line. There's like your left shoulder right down to your fingertips. And that's just what the dog is looking along. So if you want to, you can go and try this out with a friend <clears throat> or family member or someone that you... Uh, cajole to do this with you so what you can do is go outside and look at things on the horizon together and try pointing you know one of you try pointing to something and the other of you try guessing what it is that you're pointing to and you can try this with your left hand and you can try so your left arm and you can try with your right arm and you can see you know how what is most accurate what most accurately gives your friend or um sister brother parent whatever the best line so um, I suggest you go and have a little go of that outside. So let's go on to blinds. That's enough about lining. Okay, folks, it's time for a whistle pause. A whistle pause is when there would usually be an advert from a sponsor. But I don't have a sponsor, so instead I'm going to play you a tune on my trusty Acme 212. Now, the tune there is slightly hampered by the fact that the 212 is just one pitch, but I hope you can appreciate the rhythm. Now, the reason that we've got this beautiful whistle pause instead of an advert is because I don't get any funding for this podcast or sponsorship. I record it, edit it, upload it myself, and I pay for the server. I don't want to get a sponsor because then I have to promote whatever business is sponsoring me. And apart from the fact that I think that most dog products are bollocks, I would lose some of the independence and the freedom that I have at the moment to say whatever I want to say about whatever I want to say it about. But if you want to support me, and if you like this podcast, then there are some ways that you can support me, which will also benefit you, I hope. So you can check out the online courses I make, which you can find at forcefreegundog.com. 
And you can also check out my book, Force Free Gundog Training, and the accompanying workbook for it, which is a planner called The Workbook. You can get both of these from Amazon wherever you live in the world. So I really hope you can support me and check out some of this material. Anyway, that is the end of today's whistle pause. Let's get back to the show. Um, by the way, before we do leave the lining subject, there's always more to say about everything. Before we leave the lining subject, um, the dog through repetition and habituation and just getting used to this happening over and over again associates where you're pointing with where they run to but there are specific lining exercises that you can do to really bring this message home which isn't what we're going to touch on in this chapter so there are i like these exercises as well there are exercises where you put poles out in a row for example you put piles of dummies out in a row and um you line the dog to the specific pile that you want the dummy to come back from but i'm not going to talk about that today because that's sort of a slightly different skill it is connected to blind retrieves because lining is connected to blind retrieves but the qualities we're looking at today are just getting the dog out to a distance away from you with confidence and with run um and that being that being in, in a generally straight line so those that's the sort of um the thing that i'm talking about today so blinds so Sight blinds are where I quite like to start my blind retrieves. So sight blinds involve blinds where the dog can see the either the pile of dummies on the floor or the white fence post, which marks the pile of dummies on the floor. So I suggest that you go to some sort of um, farm supply store or something and just get a bunch of white plastic fence posts, you know, the electric fence posts, um, it actually doesn't matter if you use fence posts. You can use anything white as long as it sticks in the ground, like a pole. As long as it's white, so they can see it really easily, um, and you can easily stick it in the ground, that's fine. So what you'll basically do is stick your fence post in the ground, and you will put your pile of dummies at the base of the fence post. So the dog, from the beginning onwards, learns that the white fence post marks the dummy pile, and that way, when you move backwards away from the dummy pile, you increase the distance on the dummy pile. And a dog can't see the pile anymore because it's too close to the ground. It's too flat. Maybe it's covered by grass or cover. Um, they can still see the white fence post. So they've still got something to run to, even though you've increased the distance a lot. So this really gives the dog confidence because they can see the thing that they're running to. They're not just running, not having any idea where they're going. So it really helps the confidence. And it really helps the dog maintain a straight line because, again, the the dog is running to a specific place. Um, they can see it, so they're not going to be running about all over the place. They're just going to take the most direct route there. Just as with the memories, when we threw the dummy, walked away, and the dog saw us throw it, they're going to run right straight to it because they saw us throw it. Here, we can, at the beginning, we can let them see us throw a dummy to the pile, but eventually, as we move on, we can just sneakily put our fence post down, sneakily put some dummies at the foot of it while the dog's having a sniff around in front of us somewhere. And we can just keep walking on away from it until we judge that we've got to a distance where we're ready for our dog to do the retrieve and then turn around and send them for it. So that way they haven't seen you throw anything and they haven't had all the cues, which they might usually have, that there's a retrieve and which they might previously have expected, like seeing the dummy. So it kind of blurs the... Um, with all of these exercises, what we're trying to do is help the dog make the leap from seeing something flying through the air and landing on the ground 
which is a mark, and just you know us bending down and putting our arm out and saying cue and the dog going. Um, so we just want to help the dog. We try to blur these two things together. We try to help the dog realize that the that what we want is the same thing, and to have the confidence just to to go out. Um, so things about first of all about the the dummies. So I like to use white dummies because we've got white fence posts. We've got white dummies. It really helps the dog see the dummies. That's the first thing. And by the way, white canvas dummies tend to get really dirty. They tend to get muddy and disgusting really quite quickly and stop being white so i really like to use the north american style rubber bumpers for this so they they stay white pretty well so you can get those in the uk by the way as well now so um yeah so piles let's talk about piles so people often um come out in cold sweats at the idea of piles of dummies because it's going to involve what is known as shopping which is when the dog kind of runs out and they pick up a dummy and then they think oh actually i might have that one instead and they put it down they pick up another one and then they're like oh i might have that one instead and pick up another one and so they're kind of standing out there over the dummy pile picking one up and putting one down and people will break out in sweats at this <laughs> when it happens because um in an actual competition or with a finished with a finished dog this would be um a fault this would be you know you'd be really marked down if your dog put down a retrieve and picked up another one without delivering the first one to hand that would be a heinous crime so um people you know get really upset about this but things to say is just let the dog do it if you let the dog do it they will stop doing it it's amazing so you can encourage the dog verbally to come back to you i suggest not using your recall whistle i particularly dislike it when people use their recall whistle on retrieves so a retrieve is not a recall the dog should just go out, pick it up, come back to you. They shouldn't need a recall whistle to do the coming back to you part. That's just part of the retrieve. So, you know, silent handling is prized. And I don't think we should all be peeping our recall whistles to get the dog to come back to us. They should know what their job is. And they should know that when they get something in their mouth, they come back to us. So we shouldn't be using our recall whistle at this time. Um, so anyway, yeah, but we can use verbal encouragement. We can be sort of saying, hey, pop, 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 come on, let's bring it here, bring it here, hey, hey, yep. And we can, you know, be encouraging the dog verbally, not using any cues, but just using encouragement to help them speed up picking up a dummy and coming back to us. But, you know, if they pick up a dummy and put it down and pick up another one and pick it, put it down, do that a few times, it just doesn't matter. Just let them do that until they, as long as they bring you one back, that's what matters. And what you'll find is that as you repeat this and as you do more of these retrieves, the dog just stops doing that because the dog realizes that, hey, you know, there are all these dummies here and they're all the same and it doesn't, you know, I don't, there's no point picking one up and putting one down. They're all just the same. And, and they just stop doing it and it stops being a problem. In fact, I kind of think that it's one of the best ways to cure shopping, as we call it, in, in the sort of future, is to let the dog come to this discovery themselves that, you know, you just don't do this because there's no point to it. So, And this is the best way I know for them to realize that you just don't do it. There's no point to it. It's just to let them experiment with it and realize that, hey, all the dummies are the same. There's not one that's more valuable than any of the others or more interesting than any of the others. So... um. You might have a dog this doesn't work for, but so far, this has worked with all the dogs that I've worked with. So just let them do a little bit of shopping on the pile if they want to. So the first time you do this, you will kind of hold your dog by their harness in front of your white fence post. And you might already have some dummies at the base of the fence post. And you're going to take your your dummy, another dummy, and you're going to throw it onto the pile that's already there. So you're going to kind of go pop, 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 and then throw your dummy onto the pile or whatever your retrieve noise is and then you just 
walk away from the pile a little way, just like you're doing a memory, basically, but using the pile and the white fence post. Um, and then you'll line the dog up at your side and send them to the white fence post. When you get that dummy back, if you're still in, in a sort of throwable distance of the pile, you can go pop, pop, pop and throw your dummy back to the pile again. So that you kind of mark the pile again, highlight the pile again, and then you send the dog again. If that's successful, you can move back a little bit on the pile. At some point, you want to stop throwing your dummy to the pile because you need your dog to be able to do this without having seen the dummy be thrown because that's what a blind is. That's what we're really trying to achieve here. So you will turn, turn around, line your dog up to the pile and send, just send them to the pile without having thrown anything there. At this point onwards, you're just storing the dummies in your game bag when they bring them back until you've you know, finished them all and you can go and replenish the pile. So the things to say about this exercise, if every time you throw a dummy back to the pile, think about it as almost, um, I'd say this highlighting the pile. It's almost like saying, hey, this is an active pile. Hey, it's here. It's like putting a big exclamation mark on the pile. So if you've got a dog which starts to lose confidence you can throw a dummy back to the pile to achieve that however you don't want to get reliant on that because if you're having to do that every single time then what what we're doing here isn't working because we're trying to do something which is going to result in us not having to throw dummies we want the dog to just go without having seen the dummy thrown so um think other things are you want to build back gradually build build back gradually and think about the sort of a there's a there's a sort of journey here between sessions between one session and another session so your first session let's say you finish at about 30 yards away from the white fence post and you decide you're going to stop there because you've done a certain number of retrieves and how many you do will depend on your dog it depends again on that drive for the dummy on the run that your dog has as to how many you could do so with my Vimerana, i i would do maybe four or five and with my Labrador, I can do, I can just keep going actually forever, basically. So, um, well, within reason. So it depends really on, on the dog. And you want to make sure you stop before they start to not, you know, not want to do it anymore or lose confidence or lose run or whatever. You don't want to keep going to that point. So stop before that. Remember in competition, you only need them to do this like once or twice. And it's much more exciting because it's actually on game and it's with a shot around and you know you're going to have all of that to you know build your dog's enthusiasm and confidence as well so it's really just for training purposes that we need to preserve this this confidence and this run in order for us to be able to continue training blind retrieves on dummies in a more boring way so don't you know you don't need to be able to do 55,000 of these if you can you might make faster progress because you can do more training but hey there's not a race so just do a certain number um and when you finish and you come back the next day or for the next session, you may not want to pick up where you stopped. You may want to make it easier. So you might, might, might want to go back closer to the pole. If you're just starting out, you might want to throw the first dummy to the pole again and so on. But what you're really aiming for across many sessions and many probably weeks or if not months of doing this is that you can just go out with your dog to kind of empty field and you can with your dog sniffing around in front of you and not paying any attention to what you're doing, you can stick your fence post in the ground and quietly drop some dummies at the base of it and just keep walking on with your dog. And then when you get to a certain distance, and the, the further the better, but it has to be what your dog can manage, you will stop and turn around and line your dog up to this pole, which suddenly your dog will become aware of. Oh, there's a fence, there's a fence post there. 
Um, and that's the first time your dog's aware that this is going to be a blind retrieve. So that's what we're really aiming for here. And the, the more distance you can get on this, the better. So um, I think that's basically all there is to say. So, oh, there is a couple of other things that, that are important to say. So firstly, I really like sight blinds because they give the, I know they give the dog something to aim for. And we've talked about that, but one of the sort of byproducts of that is it prevents the dog from running about all over the place looking for the dummy. So if we didn't have a visual marker for the dog to run to, then the dog could just run about all over the place and look for the dummy. Or they might um, run out, but just take a line which is not quite the line that you gave them and thereby miss the dummy. So if that happened, what a lot of people would do is stop the dog and start to cast the dog and handle the dog. And as soon as we do that, we are not training these skills. We're not training running out on a straight line and running, basically keeping keeping going and keeping a straight line. As soon as we start to stop the dog, cast left, stop the dog, hunt there, blah, blah, blah. We're introducing all of these other um, components, which are important, but they're not that they should be trained separately. So all of this is a chain. And one of the problems that happens when people try and train this stuff is they lump it all together and they try and train it all as a blob. And, you know, if the dog overshoots the dummy or runs too far to the left or right of the dummy, they'll introduce all this handling stuff. But as soon as you introduce the handling stuff, you're not training, you're not working and isolating these skills that the dog needs for the blind. So I'll give you an example of that. So Let's say that you send the dog out and they are three meters, well, they might actually wind it at three meters, six meters, something something to the side of the dummy. And you stop the dog and you say, you know, hunt there, hunt there, wherever it is. So the dog stops beautifully. The dog hunts where you've told them to beautifully. And the dog finds the dummy and brings it back to you. So finding the dummy is the reinforcer sort of the secondary reinforcer because when they come back to you you're going to give them a food reinforce reinforcer but finding dummy is is a reinforcer and what the dog just did is the thing that's being most strongly reinforced so if the dog just hunted to the right of where you told them where you, where you told them to hunt and you went hunt there or hunt there and they held that area and they hunted up and hunted up and then they found it that's what's being reinforced when they find it not not so much the line which they took. I know it's earlier in the chain, so it is being reinforced to some degree, but not as strongly as we want it to be. So it's really important when we're training all of this that we do think about chains generally and what we know about chains in training and that we apply it to this because it's all really relevant to this. So if the skills that we are working on here are holding a straight line and continuing to run, then that's the, those are the skills we need to work on and we don't want to muddy the water by trying to train other stuff at the same time we know in all our other training that that's a bad idea and it's the same here as well so so that's why we need something for the dog to run to because if the dog can see where they're going it's going to remove the possibility of them missing you know overshooting the pile going too far to one side or the other side because they know where they're going so we can work on holding a straight line and running and continuing to run over increasing distances. And we can really identify those um, qualities that we're working on and just work on them in isolation and away from everything else. So that's why I like sight blinds so much. Um, 
other things to say, directions are similar to blinds in a way. So when we do start to, this is a separate subject, when we do start to stop the dog and cast them left or right or back, these are, you know, the dog has to take a line and they have to maintain a straight line in where we, wherever we've sent them. So it has preferably have to maintain a straight line left, preferably have to maintain a straight line right or back. The only difference is that they're taking that line from us, standing at a distance, waving our arms in the air. They're not taking it from our side with us pointing out into the um, out ahead. So, but apart from that, the skills are very similar. So you can use white fence posts for your directions and your handling when you come on to doing that stuff. So lots of the drills that I take from North American Retriever Training, the T drill, those kind of things, you can stick your white fence posts out to mark your dummy piles, the left pile, the right pile, the back pile, and put your piles of dummies at the base of them. And that way you've got those piles marked out with the white fence post. So they come in really handy for doing all of your future drill work as well. So yeah and i kind of think of just directions are just really just a type of blind in a way they're just a variation on on a blind because the only thing that's different is where we're how we're sending them um so anyway those are sight blinds let's talk about permanent blinds there are only three kinds of blinds really that i want to talk about today so the second one is permanent blinds permanent blinds are blinds which are always in the same place so this will be a specific field that you're using for your training. Preferably quite a big field if you want to um, you know, get some distance on things and, and really achieve a good, a, a, good, a good level of training. So think about it as if you are standing, think about a fan, because it's like you are standing in the middle of a fan, fan being a fan that you're kind of fanning your face with, not a Oh God, maybe forget the fan metaphor. I don't think it's really working. Um, imagine that, um, I don't know how to describe this visual thing with words, it's impossible. But so imagine that you're standing at the bottom of a triangle. That's a better idea. Um, and on the bottom, um, in the middle at the bottom of a triangle. Oh God. <laughs> I think I should, I should record some outtakes here. Oh, God. Um, okay, forget the fan, forget the triangle. Permanent blinds are blinds where the dog knows where the dummy pile is, but it's not marked anymore by fence posts. And you always put the pile in the same place. So it's a particular location, it's a particular field that you use, and you always put the dummy pile to the right of the cattle feeder in the left corner of the field and you have another dummy pile in the top of the field below the stile and you have another dummy pile on the top right of the field by the hedge and these piles are always in the same place you teach them up close to each pile um, moving away just as you did with your sight blinds so the dog can see them on the floor and you can throw a dummy back to the pile and you move away until you've reached your kind of central point which is the point I was trying to describe before with the fan and all that stuff, but let's just not get into that. And then and then you would send the dog. So you would build back away from the pile till you get to the location where you want to start from, and then that's when you would send the dog. So and you, so the idea is, 
it's really trying hard to think about. Oh, I know. Let's try a, a, a clock face. It's not very good, really, a clock face. But imagine that you're standing at six o'clock on a clock face, and you've got a pile at seven o'clock, but it's not really at seven o'clock. It's further out against the the fence, and you've got another pile at eleven o'clock in the back of your field, and you've got another one at one o'clock on the top right of your field. You've got another one at five o'clock on your right. So you're standing. You can like. It's a bit like you're a kind of um, in a machine gun emplacement. You can turn and fire your dog to the left, and then you can turn and fire your dog to the right, and you can so you can like run each of these retrieves one at a time, and the dog knows where they are because they've been taught where they are. So it might take many, many sessions to teach each of these piles to the dog, and when after you taught one and you're starting to work on another you might want to just go do you still remember this pile dog and send them for the one you just taught before so once you've taught all the piles to the dog and you can send the dog to any of these piles you want to get to the point where you can rock up to this field it's the beginning of your session and this is your you know dog's just got out of the car and you can send the dog to any pile that you choose of these permanent blinds so the dog, I like permanent blinds because, again, the dog knows where the pile is. So they're not going to go running about all over the place and they're not going to overrun the pile or miss the pile. And we're not going to get into messy handling stuff because the dog knows where that pile is. It's going to build run just like your sight blinds, but the dog can't see anything. So they can't see the pile when you send them and they can't see a white fence post because we don't have white fence posts in permanent blinds. So we're kind of moving on a little bit more into cold, what we call cold blind territory. So I hope that's makes some kind of. I'm going to interrupt this fabulous discussion to bring you today's whistle pause. The whistle pause is where an ad break would usually be, but I don't have an ad break. I just have me and my whistle, my trusty T12, on which I'm going to play you a tune. The sad thing about my whistle at the moment is that it's dying a little bit, so bits of plastic have broken off. So it will only blow if I blow it really loudly, then a note will come out. Otherwise it's this kind of whispery, hoarse, airy, breathy noise. So I've got another whistle on order, and I'd like to reassure you that the the whistle pause will improve in quality in future episodes. Now the reason we don't have an ad break here and you have this whistle pause instead is because I don't have a sponsor. I don't want a sponsor because I want to be completely free to recommend the products I want to recommend and I don't want to have to recommend a product that I don't believe in or love in order to get sponsorship. So there are some ways you can support me though because otherwise it is just me making this podcast. So, if you like this podcast, there are some simple things and free things that you can do. One is to share it and to tell other people about it, and to post it on social media, and to promote it whenever you can. The other thing you can do will benefit you as well, I hope. You can check out some of my courses, my online platform, forcefreegundog.com. And you can also check out my book, force-free gundog training and the accompanying workbook for it which is a planner called the workbook you can get both of these from amazon wherever you live that is the end of today's whistle pause let's get back to the show
sense, guys, the permanent blinds thing. I don't think I explained it very well, but um, hopefully it does. If not, you can email and ask any questions you have. So the third kind of blind I'm going to talk about, what we call cold blinds. So cold blinds are blinds that the dog hasn't seen you put there. They There's no white fence post and, and there's nothing to mark where the pile is. And, you know, it's in a new place, perhaps. So it really is a cold blind. So for this, you can sort of be out with your dog in a field and you just sort of drop a dummy behind you when the dog's not looking and you can just keep walking on with your dog and then when you think you've gone to a distance that you want to send the dog to you can just get the dog to your side and line them up for this blind now i don't like cold blinds i don't use these very much i only use them very occasionally to sort of see where we are with things as a kind of how's all my training coming together and you know how is this working in, in a sort of test situation because in a test or trial, this is probably what you would get, but that doesn't mean that's what you need to be practicing in training. So just because this is a scenario you face in a trial doesn't mean that you need to be practicing that. It's more like, so cold blinds are really sort of a, a test to sort of see how's it going. If I had to do this tomorrow, how would it probably go for us? What do I need to adjust in my other training? So rather than really, I mean, they're more, they're not really a training tool, they're more kind of a, a test of how things are going really. Um, and the reason why I don't like them, if that's not clear, is the same reason that I've been talking about all along. So because the dog hasn't seen where it is, has nothing to help them maintain a straight line, they may, um, you know, not take a great straight line and need to be stopped and need to be handled and need to be directed onto it and all the rest of it. And then we are practicing all of that instead of our, um, our run and our confidence and our, you know, keeping going and maintaining a straight line and those qualities that we wanted to work on. So... Yeah. So basically, in a nutshell, that's those are the three types of blind machines. Now, our other blind machines, there are things like pop-up blinds, which is where you send the dog out, and then while the dog is running, you fire a dummy, um, a remote dummy launcher into the air. So the, the dummy kind of pops up while the dog is actually running. Um, and I think the thought behind that was that the dog has to have faith that there's something out there, and it rewards the dog or reinforces the dog for believing that there's something out there by once the dog's already committed to doing the blind that's when it appears but you know really it's a mark it's just a mark while the dog is running um and i don't find that transfers across very well to um anything really so so i don't really do those and then there's another type of um blind which is called an inline blind which is where you have lines of dummies in a row so for example if you want the dog to hold a straight line say diagonally across a field you put a sort of a dummy and then two meters further on on the same line you put another dummy and a few meters further on on the same line you put a dummy and then you send the dog to the first dummy they get it and they bring it back and then you send them and they get the next one and they get it and bring it back and you send them and then they get the next one so they're gradually extending the line that they're taking by each time running a little bit further now i don't like inline blinds either because the dog ends up not knowing when they're going to come across a dummy so they are constantly hunting so they might be running in a straight line but their nose is on the ground sniffing hunting looking for the dummy while they're kind of running in the line that's not really what we want when we send the dog for a blind retrieve we don't want the dog to run out 100 yards sniffing the ground we just want them to have their head up and to run like like, properly like they're running um, until we stop them and tell them to hunt so to my mind, inline blinds are not developing the right habit in terms of what we want to see from the dog on the 
on a blind and they don't translate very well and they're not very useful. Um, so I don't tend to use those either. So I hope this has helped to some degree. Um, oh, the other thing to say about the inline blinds is because the dog is hunting, they're much slower. So they they are like, I'm going much more slowly because there might be a dummy here and they might be able to just run a little bit better. Oh, there's a dummy. And so they're not running at full speed um, to wherever you've lined them to. So you're losing a lot of momentum and speed with the inline blinds as well. They're, I wouldn't say they never have a use. If you're having a particular situation where it's difficult to get the dog to remain straight, like they keep getting sucked downhill or something, then I think just to get a message across to the dog, putting put it, doing an inline blind like on the on the bit, you know, the the retrieve which you're finding difficult and the place you're finding difficult for them to maintain a straight line, and just running it once as an inline blind to help them get the idea that this is where the good stuff is on this line. Then going back to putting out your fence post or whatever and running it as a sight blind, you'll probably find they run it start to run it straighter because the good stuff has been on this line, um, as it were. So I think they have you know uses here and there, but they're not something I would do a lot of, um, only when there's a specific problem. So I hope this makes sense. It might not at all. But I think the thing, the most important point that I want to get across today is this idea of this whole process being a chain and that we need to identify the particular parts of the chain that we want to work on and isolate those and work on them alone and outside of the chain just like we would with any other chain and any other sort of training and for my mind to my mind the bits that we want to work on most for the blind retrieve are straight line and keeping going so if we stop the dog and we start to cast the dog left or right or hunt here or hunt there, we're no longer practicing the straight line and the keeping going because those things are not going to be most strongly reinforced when the dog finds the retrieve. All that casting and whistle sits and hunt there, all of that is is kind of muddying the waters and getting in there bef- between our the reinforcer of finding the dummy and now nice or not so nice straight line or run or whatever so that's one thing i wanted to say the other thing i wanted to say is that when there isn't anything for the dog to directly aim at you are going to get into that situation so if you don't have a white fence post for the dog to run to a visible dummy pile for the dog to run to a dummy you've thrown the dog has seen which you've walked away from memory and you're sending the dog back to it all these, the dog knows where it is. Permanent blinds, the dog's seen the pile. They know it's always in the same place. They always run to the same place. So all of these ways of training the blind, you get away from the situation where the dog misses the retrieve and has to be handled. So you can identify those core components of a blind retrieve, which is the run and the straight line, and you can really work on those and isolate those in this way. Separately, you're going to train your directions, your handling, your casting, your hunt, left, hunt, right, whatever. But that's a separate load of stuff to train, again, outside the chain of all the rest of it. Now, if you go to gun dog training classes and you're in a little group of people and someone says, we're going to run, we're going to do a blind retrieve now. This is, the, this is the exercise we're doing. It's a blind retrieve. There is a retrieve over there at the foot of that tree. I want you to you know, send your dog to go and get it. Then we're not really isolating those components of running out and all the rest of it. And the other thing is that dogs can feel very demoralized when we keep stopping them all the time. So 
if you, if we get into a lot of a, a situation with a lot of handling, so we're kind of stopping the dog, hunt left, know they've gone too far, stop the dog, cast right, you know, all of this is kind of chipping away at the dog's confidence because they're not finding it and they're not finding it and it's more work and it's more work for no reinforcement. And eventually at some point they will give up because it just gets too difficult. So that's another reason that we want to make this simple. We want to identify run and straight line and that's what we're working on. And the only way to do that and to avoid the situation where we get into lots of handling is by making sure the dog knows where the pile is somehow or other and can run to it and isn't going to get confused and start to you know, come off the line or need to be handled. So I think those are my sort of most important points. Um, and it's not that it's a bad thing if you go to a group training class and you you know they run exercises like this where they become these kind of complicated handling things. Every now and again, like I said, to see where you're going, that would be a cold blind. And every now and again, just to assess how you're doing, it's more like a test situation, really. So just checking how your training is going. But it's not something you want to be practicing, like I'm going out today to train my dog and this is the kind of thing you're doing every day. Um, I wouldn't suggest you do that. So break down those blind retrieves and identify the components you want to work on. Um, and today has been about maintaining a straight line and that run and confidence. So that's all. That's all for this week. And I will be back soon. Hold the line. Hold the line. Hold the line. Hold the line.